Oh. Okay. Yeah, and I think so, it's, it's it's go time. I, I really feel like because there's two and then one. I almost feel like we should I, do something like this, but then I'm just comically small. Yeah, then you're like, you know, the, the, you're, you're doing like the, what, the Zoom meeting and you're presenting it to everybody. You're like, hey, uh, these I, are the two guys. I am presenting are... to everybody for best of our week, the TK and Josh show. So welcome, <laughs> everybody. JV and TK, that's what you get. That's exactly what you get. Um, it's been... Aloha. Alo- I was going to say, aloha. <laughs> the outfit is, is not comically done just for, for show. Um, we actually, you could grab the mug right there. I have my, you know, we grabbed the aloha mug, which it has some hot sauce oh, you have inside. Good, you have good autofocus, right? There we yeah, go. This, yeah, product mode is on. We are in good company. Sony, welcome, and thank you for the savings on there. Um, so I asked Josh and I said, "Hey man, we're doing a light, we're doing a podcast because originally I was going to borrow some of his lighting kit because the room I thought was going to be horribly bad, but it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a podcast. It's cozy. It, it's, it's cozy. It's, it's nice cozy. and cozy in there. So I, in, I think in Hawaii, I think it's a good all luck. the way five to six hours away from where you are. Although I will say, there comes a point in time where when you're doing this content enough to where anything less than daylight white balance, you hate it. <laughs> this is too warm, yes. and I'm." I'm really sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we keep it entertained. So I'll go ahead and close this, uh, this guy since we're not using it. Uh, but I hope everybody's doing good. Welcome back to another episode of The Best of Our Week. After a nice, well, I was going to say a nice, after a hiatus last week for Thanksgiving holiday, um, which we will talk about a little bit as that part still impacts Hawaii more than you think it would. Uh, but yeah, Best of Our Week after dark. <laughs> after dark. <laughs> we're, in, we're doing it live. That's how we do it. We're going to take um, this show from rated G to rated PG. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when I, it never gets old. Your radio voice always kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like you should be moderating this event. I've been ripping um, off voice actors for years. It's good times. I, that's how we do it. In um, a world where, <laughs> where Juan is sitting. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, see, I mean, the, I, the, the bad thing is, like, I wish I could really pull off movie trailer, but it's really just that pukey, like, radio announcer voice. Like, I can't quite get deep enough to, like, really pull off, you know, like, movie trailer. Yeah. Well, so it's, either, it's either the radio voice or it's, like, the newscaster voice. Where yeah. you're like, and that's how the cookie grumbles. Absolutely. <laughs> It's like the inflection that it just doesn't resemble any human speech at all. But it's very clear, so you understood all of the syllables that they had to say. Always, always. Um, Speaking of which, I hope everybody's watching is is actually doing good. I hope you guys had a a great week. Uh, If you celebrated Thanksgiving last week, hope you guys had a great week as well as some good deals you were able to pick up from Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, all of that stuff. Um, Juan and I had, obviously... uh, Skipped last week, mostly because of family, as, as you can imagine, with Thanksgiving. It was uh, it was a little bit hard to tell, our, tell, at least on my side, tell my family. It's like, you know, hold on a second. I got to, you know, I got to go hang out with my buddy. And uh, so we, we, we chose to, to have a little bit of time. And, and I think you were also traveling as well, Juan. So, so yeah, I was, I, was hit, I was hitting the road. And, um, no, I mean, your turn, you actually managed to secure a location where you could podcast. Um, I was breaking it down in, like, what I would have needed to do last last week for the show I was in, like, the high California mountains. And so I was basically on a 2G data connection going 80 miles an hour. Um, So it just wasn't going to happen, which was kind of a bummer. But, again, like, I hope everyone had. Yeah, exactly. Like, I guess I'm going to 
through interpreter of dance and Morse code, um, tell you what I think about smartphones. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I hope everybody had a lovely Thanksgiving. This was a biggie for us and our family because this is the first time we tried. We've all tried to get together uh, since yeah. before the pandemic. Um, and and you 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 know again, it's it's when you get to kind of spend some time with people that you care about and who care about you. It's you didn't know how much you were missing it until you were, you were sort of back. So again, I, I hope people have been taking those opportunities as we're getting into the holiday season. Hopefully, you have some of those opportunities, and even if it's just meaningful quality time digitally, <laughs> you we're we're hosting the kind of show where we'd want to talk about better tools to make sure that you can hook up with your family and friends and, and get some FaceTime with them. Oh my god, a lot of a lot of technologies this week. So. It, it's as you probably saw from the title, uh, the big event, the big you know thing going on this week is the Qualcomm Summit or the yeah well the Snapdragon Summit actually is uh, in in Hawaii and today was the last day. They, I mean I, obviously there wasn't any announcements today, but the, today was like the last day where we were able to do extra stuff. Um, I can probably say that there was some benchmarks done today that we'll be able to hopefully share with you. But at that's some all. Point. That's all we can say. Yeah, that's all <laughs> that's I can all say. Can say. <laughs> I can yeah. say some benchmarks were performed on some things. And later we will know more. Although I will admit, like having a benchmarking app that is cut off from internet access was like an interesting thing to see. <laughs> and it was like, wow, you covered your bases really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there, there was no chance somebody was going to submit something and automatically kind of like, so, yeah, no. So basically, what you two guys are telling me is that Qualcomm is super afraid of MediaTek. And basically, it's game over <laughs> and it's dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. It's all, and that's done. And thank you for joining the show. Appreciate your time. And, uh, this is like the uh, most efficient show we've ever produced. Which, which, which Wi-Fi are you on, by the way? Because if you're on the Qualcomm Wi-Fi, this is going to be... No, 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 no. I, this is, it's, about get, it's about to get cut. No, I'm, I'm on Fairmont, I think. I'm, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm running. I made sure on the hotel one, um, it's, and this is the basic, so I'm hoping it, it hangs good. Um, I see. We Which would also be a bad look for Qualcomm if you guys are like, "Hey, are you guys on the Qualcomm network?" Because it's sort of their job. Yeah, there's a, there's a, yeah, yeah. There's a few. There's a few things in there. But the, the hotel when we first checked in, they were like, "Hey, would you want the basic Wi-Fi or the premium Wi-Fi?" Oh, okay, that. so then, like, I'm, I'm driving through the Southwest, and that never yeah. makes a difference. I, it'd be like, mm. we've been through so many, you know, like you know, reasonably priced hotels that. Um, like we don't go cheap. We're we're like you know, comfortable mid range accommodations, and you spend yeah. your extra five dollars or ten dollars for the day to get the better Wi Fi's. And I go to do a speed test, and it's like four Fuck. megabits up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're like, come on. They're, they're this is in the old uh, standard where it's like, you know, f- high speed is five megabits now. That's my favorite part is every time we have these events, they always talk about, like, the future of Wi-Fi and the mm-hmm. future of Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi 6E or whatever the case may that, be. And it's yeah, like, yeah. well, I'm over here with 10 gigabit 5G downloads nowhere. So surprisingly, yeah. So 5G, for some reason, okay, so last time when we were doing this in Maui, um, the 5G connectivity was much faster. But for some reason, mm-hmm. at least where we are, although we get, like, five bars, the connection isn't as strong. Like at least for me on T-Mobile, well, I'm not really getting the speeds I'm normally used to. Back okay, home. so I mean, like, let's let's lean into some of their conversation because Qualcomm has a bunch of things that we're going to talk about, and I want to keep this one a little bit more efficient than what we usually ramble on, where we say we're going to do like a 90 minute show, and then three hours yeah. later we're still talking, um, because there are we're definitely still, yeah, things that you guys want to go and do um, while you're still on the ground in Hawaii. I know TK, uh, it'd be nice for you to actually get a little time off in one of the world's I, most beautiful locales. 
Um, so, so like networking. Really oh, that's cool. I'm, I, I am alone here, so clearly I have no agenda. So, like, <laughs> I've been the I have been the fifteenth wheel this whole trip. Um, but no, seriously, on, on an honest, on a serious note, though, he's been absolutely amazing. Like setting up things, getting it. He got it, he got here a day in advance. We we went to a coffee uh, coffee farm. Uh, yeah, coffee we went farm. to a coffee farm. Yeah, and uh, it was it, honestly like some of the best stuff. Before we we I ended up basically disappearing from my family because you know I, Tuesday morning. I told my family I found my phone like Tuesday morning to like Thursday afternoon. I just I'm, need I'm to point out exist. that my call for making our show more streamlined and efficient was to benefit was you as the guest, Josh, and you derailed us. <laughs> And now we're taking longer. So I just no, no, need no. you to know that as 15th wheel status, you are, you are delaying this process. And I was I'm, trying I'm, I'm to throw hurting, you a bone. I'm hurting for, like, <laughs> just interactions right now, you know? It, is, it, is, it has been good. But, yeah, you're right. You're right. The, the biggest thing, so obviously going on this week, we had a, a triple chipset announcement from Qualcomm. Not one, not two, not, but three, basically, uh, and one that was entirely new, the G-Series, that wasn't even there uh, before. Uh, but the biggest thing I think I probably w- would say is the, the fact that we actually also had access to demos, units to be able to check out and play mm-hmm. with, um, the different technologies that they announced. It wasn't just announcements. We had the opportunity to check them out. And uh, they had different locales, different positions, different areas, and I've been trying to cover as much as I can. Josh is doing as much as he can as well. So, uh, honestly, the only thing missing, really, dude, seriously, it's you. Uh, and, and I, and I want to see, <laughs> and I want to make it so that next year when, when this happens again, we're having a podcast together, sitting around the table and talking I, about it. I, I, I actually, like I, I mean, I, I really should try to make a little bit more noise, because especially from, like, the Snapdragon sound side of the equation, like, all totally. last year which, which is a massive about yeah. wireless audio and stuff. So And, and that, um, that's the other thing, yeah. So, so I, I do kind of want to kind of lean in, lean into something that you just said there uh, when we were kind of getting into this. Though there's so much there's so much focus on things like device capabilities. Like I just put a, put together another video for reviews.org talking about Wi-Fi signal transmission. Um, trying mm-hmm. to make that sound more entertaining for consumers. Um, and and one of the things you kind of keep breaking down is like, well, your phone does so much your router or these antennas do so much. And then eventually you kind of hit this wall where it's the backhaul. And I would imagine year over year, you've been hitting the ground and going to these uh, Hawaii summits and 5G is now becoming a real attainable standard where Mm -hmm. someone who's shopping like a $400 phone, it's likely just included in their phone. We don't have to worry about variations to any larger degree. uh, And it would seem to me that in the midst of all of this amazing technology that's going to get improved in next-generation SoCs, we're running into the real practical limits of all of the networking that actually powers the, the Internet behind these towers and these radios and these modems and these routers. So what 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 kind of sense did you get? I mean, I, Qualcomm is responsible for so much of this from the consumer side and from the, yep. the sort of infrastructure side. I feel like it's a little bit of an incomplete conversation to just say, next year's SOC, Wi-Fi 6E, it's going to be amazeballs. Mm. If they had any kind of sense of what like the, the sort of grander image for all of this would look like. So on, on, on the biggest, the big portion that they focused on, although they mentioned Wi-Fi 6E, they did focus mostly on their connectivity over 5G and millimeter wave. Uh, they're, they're, they're basically wanting to push millimeter wave. Like, I feel like they're, and it's been this, the same conversation, I think, even last year. 
Um, their partnership with Verizon has been basically driven to give them or try to give us the best capabilities when it comes to millimeter wave. But this year, they're switching a little bit. They're focusing on the upload speed, which is something that they haven't focused before. Yeah. Download speed has been basically king for everybody. But as creators, if companies want to be able to use millimeter wave, especially when you want to share content or you know, millimeter wave, you know, 4K yeah. or 1080p, you want the faster upload because that's the, that's the connectivity there. And they're, they're basically tripling the connection there to up to almost like 35 like they tripled it 3.5 times what at a speed that we were getting before with millimeter wave. Mm-hmm. So that excited me the most. Um, and when I was talking to Cristiano, uh, as when he saw me, he's like, so you're a creator, so you must be really excited about our upload speed. I'm like, of course. I'm like, you were talking to me. You had a conversation with Cristiano? So remember when we were doing the uh, the, the party where where uh, David Emil was uh, singing a couple yeah, of minutes ago? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I left the party because I, I was coming back to the room because I needed to edit a video. And I had a, like two plates of dessert, which is a, it's a long story. And then, of course, as I'm walking back, not trying to look like I'm just taking stuff away, yeah, you know, like I just stole stuff from this party, I run into the the CEO of the company. (laughs) So he looks at me, and he's like, hmm, a lot of the dirt. I'm like, yeah, uh, family back in the room. I got to, yeah. So I said, thank you very much for for the party. And then he saw my name tag, and... um, he was, uh, he's like, uh, so you're, yeah, hey, you're on YouTube, right? So you must have loved the uh, upload speed that we uploaded. So I'm like, yeah, no, definitely. You were speaking to me, and I, I really appreciated it. So, uh, yeah, it was a very passing, not very, very complicated conversation. Well, it's fu- it's so funny that you made that distinction that the upstream is something that would be important for us, the mm-hmm. people who are attending this conference. And yet they did, the only time I heard them make that mention was when you ran into them with dessert in your hand. Like, they should have made a bigger fuss about they it should on have stage. Made much bigger. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and I found out two days later that apparently, so one of the things they also did is they did a, um, an 8K video conversation, mm-hmm. a video with, um, I think it was the Verizon CEO, uh, live. Yeah. And for that, they brought an actual mobile hotspot. They, they created their own mobile hotspot from Verizon that I didn't even realize it was there because I couldn't even test their speed that. But supposedly that's how you were able to get some crazy, like almost, they broke the, 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 three, uh, the three gigabits down. Like that's how bad. Like how really fast. Well, they, there was some speculation from us in the audience whether or not that was a real call. It, it, but, yeah. But there was one um, telltale sign was that the Verizon CEO at one point said, "We're so grateful to have Smart Dragon in our devices." <laughs> so I'm like, oh, maybe it is. That, maybe it is a real one. That would have been edited out if it had exactly. Yeah, that yeah. would have been caught if it wasn't. Yeah, no. Uh, so, so you know, I I love that we can kind of frame you know just different specific jobs that we we work in a very kind of creative industry and we're responsible for for producing and sharing and distributing content. Um, th- these are some of the behind. The, again, I'm talking about my gig over at Reviews.org a lot, but it, they're some mm-hmm. of the the hardest conversations we've been having behind the scenes, is because so much of their rating and reviews on carrier issues have all been focused on download. And I think if anything has kind of kicked our butts over the last two years of shelter in place and work from home and school from home, it's so many people's inability to participate. If you Mm -hmm. can't get your content up to the internet, you don't exist. And yet another road trip through the Southwest where... I can shoot this incredible 4K video. I can edit from my phone. I can do filters. I can do transitions. I've got an unlimited soundtrack at my fingertips, all the music Mm -hmm. and and licensing and everything that I want to be able to handle with transitions and motion graphics, all all from a phone screen. And I can finish it off in like 4K 60. And then it's going to take me two days to upload it. Yep. 
That's and it's not biggest... that big of a video. That's how slow, you know, like rural Colorado is if I want to try and get work done on the road. And so it immediately cuts all of those people. They're irrelevant to the 21st century. Mm-hmm. They do not exist if they can't contribute something to these kinds of conversations. It, it's definitely one of the biggest things that we realized over the last year and a half to two years. The pandemic focused heavily on one of them, obviously, is our Wi-Fi connections, which I feel like, you know, Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E can help us not only get better signals, but also get better speeds. Um, the the concern, though, that most of us don't realize is that we don't really pay attention to the Wi-Fi. Like the Wi-Fi is a, it's a background. It's a hidden factor. Mm. But those are the things that I think once you upgrade to a, to a better, like a better mesh router or a better connected, uh, you know, home so you get better coverage where devices with the Wi-Fi 6 or Wi-Fi 6E can get the benefit of that, of getting stronger signals and basically better performance um, ahead of what Wi-Fi 7 is going to end up becoming where you know, MediaTek was talking Wi-Fi 7 at their event a couple of weeks ago. So there's a little bit of a shift between Qualcomm and, and MediaTek. Qualcomm is very much partnering up with you know, Verizon. Um, I think T-Mobile was also kind of a little bit of a presence here yesterday. Uh, more or less. A, more like, or less, yeah. yeah. Not an announcement, but more of a... a I want to say honorable mention, but you know it was it was nice. It was a nice. It was a it was a it was a good. T-Mobile thing. is always going to try to be the party guys because that was really what it was. Yeah, like yeah, we, yeah. it was just a happy hour with T-Mobile. We were like, so what are you guys doing here? We're like this. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was a nice little gathering, but um, the, the I think the big focus for me again it is the connectivity and the upload speeds. But my worry mostly is that they're focusing so heavily on millimeter wave, which in my opinion is great in crowded areas or in, in stadiums and so on. But the fact of the matter is we're still not anywhere close to getting millimeter wave as to spread as much as sub-6. So sub-6 for us is the biggest thing that we need to drive for. Um, I did notice also that Qualcomm dropped the 5G from their uh, naming, so they're no longer trying to bring a fe- uh, focus to it since it's kind of an implied um, included technology now in the Snapdragon ecosystem. Because they brought it down even down to the 4 series, right? They were talking about the 4 series, yeah. the 6 series, 7 series. You have 5G across everything. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's a, that's actually a good move where, where it stops becoming this, you know, marketing campaign like, you know, it has 5G in it as opposed to those, this is just the best that you well, can get at and, this price. And Josh, was it one of the conversations that we had? I mean, I, I want to say we were at the end of 2019 talking about this is basically vaporware until people can just count on any phone they might buy. You know, like you walk out the door from a Boost Mobile with the phone they gave you for free and if that has 5G on it, then 5G is a real thing. If 5G is only available on, like, $1,000 phones, I swear we had this conversation. I might totally be making it up. But if not, I'm sure remember. we both had similar talking points on some of these things. But Agreed. it feels That's like we're close enough. I, I feel like we're getting close to this idea that 5G is now an actual real thing if we can, if we can continue to count on it at, you know, the $300 tier, the Poco tier, the the sort of uh, premium mm. mid-ranger tier, we don't have to spend no. yeah. $600 plus to try and the get Nord. it. But it yeah. really does seem like we're at that point, to be honest. But the uh, I, I don't remember the specific conversation that we had, but I know that we've probably talked about it in one way or another. Um, the thing is, when it comes to the 5G stuff, I just... Yes, it's a real thing, but I just don't know if it's something that we can rely upon just yet. Just because it says 5G on a lot of phones at any different price bracket doesn't mean we're actually getting those speeds, yes. at least in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Because in Asia, I think it's much more ubiquitous than here, which is like, gosh, I wish that we could have that kind of connectivity in um, in the States. Um, but yeah, even on my Pixel 6, which mm-hmm. I've been using this week, every time it says 5G, 
I'm still waiting for a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's what I was trying to say is it, it, it's a it's a weird thing. Like Verizon does that as well. I mean, we had the E thing situation with the 5G E on T-Mobile, on AT&T. <laughs> but although the yeah. phones now, and I think it's all it's becoming across the border where they just want to show the 5G if the phone has a 5G modem in it. But I don't right. think we're getting 5G connection. Uh, Verizon, well, it's been here's, 5G ever since I landed, and it's LTE every time I do speed tests. Here's here's where I really feel the marketing has kind of kicked these companies in their own gonads. Um, mm. it, what we were talking about, you can put the world's fastest uh, router on a dial-up connection. You still have a dial-up connection. It doesn't matter if you've got a Wi-Fi 6E router connected to your 56K modem. You still have 56K. And you, we can keep making these towers you know, more impressive for local, local area networking style speed testing. But mm-hmm. if we don't improve our, our sort of infrastructure and our, our neighborhood backhaul, like if we're not really running additional fiber and we're not really lighting it up, then you don't get those speeds. I really feel it was a missed opportunity for them to start the conversation with 5G on the things that 5G tangibly brings a benefit to. So even if you're still mm-hmm. on LTE speeds, with these new antenna arrays, it's far more likely you're going to maintain those more consistent LTE speeds with less interference and with less network congestion, especially in busy yeah, population about to, areas. So yeah, you're taking that to me back be, to the Verizon back, the back Verizon last year. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. When we were when we were doing that sprint visit, I'm not particularly excited by millimeter wave because of the limitations of millimeter wave. I am ridiculously excited about better stability, better connectivity, and less uh, you know sort of network and traffic issues. Mid midband five um, G is has been crazy good on on T Mobile now that they've activated the sprint uh, bands. Yeah, it's it, depending where you are. If you're in an area that supports it, like you can start seriously seven hundred, six seven hundred megabits down. It's actually that good. I'm over here just hoping that I get that on Google Fi because it's like it's still so nebulous what exactly it, it de- they're using. It depends on we yeah, because they keep switching you between the different servers. Yeah. But at least on T-Mobile in Santa Clarita where I am, I now get the um, uh, it's like 5G UC. That's mm-hmm. the logo that I get on the actual well, ultra capacity. Okay. So it's so it's so for 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 us you know when we were when <laughs> I was in the previous gadget lab we were there was basically one tower that we could reliably get service from, and it was a T-Mobile 5G tower. And at the time, we were on Google Fi. And, and basically, when you don't give Google Fi any other options, it'll find the tower that you want, and then it'll connect to it, and it. you get the 5Gs. If you give it any kind of option, it'll somehow find the lowest the common denominator path to like the slowest network that, that it can sustain. It, it's, it's definitely a big challenge. I mean, like I said, it's... This is why I was, my concern was essentially, I understand why Qualcomm wants to focus on millimeter wave. It's obviously the fastest sure. connection that you can do. It's the biggest numbers uh, the and it's the speed. most exciting. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Sony also did the same thing. They worked with Verizon on their pros line. That's obviously because it's for creators for broadcast. You, you, you go to where the speeds are. But, you know, 5G, you know, sub-6 is literally where it's everywhere. Every, yeah. every country has 5G six, sub-6. Six, sub six. And I think that's what we, what we need now is better support and more stability and better bandwidth. Um, and I feel like they need to just drop the whole, if it's not really 5G, just say 4G LTE. You're not going to lose the customer. LTE plus. Yeah, or LTE plus, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just add something to it. 
Um, no. You know, maybe happy smiley face at the top right so people know that it's but, cool. But because know. of this dance, and I think because of the messaging, I think a lot of consumers have kind of fallen into the it's snake oil trap when there are some tangible mm-hmm. benefits that I think, again, they might not have been the most exciting. They might not have had the sexiest speed numbers. But I, I do want to use this. And again, like I said, I want to try and keep this a little bit more condensed. Um, we started off with network and connectivity, kind of talking about like, you know, so many more people on 5G networks where you're at, which means mm-hmm. they're taxing that that network System, and yeah. you're probably not getting those impressive speeds because you're not the only nerds there with 5G phones like you were last year. Um, <laughs> I, I want to shift gears because we um, we had a conversation about the Dimensity when MediaTek yeah. announced their, their phone. And, and I've been having a few concerns about the way we talk about mobile SOCs you know, tablet and smartphone processors, and mm-hmm. how we keep talking about performance. And I don't think over the last, you know, somewhere from the 865 over this last year, I don't think we've done a good job of t- discussing power and, and some of the, the trade-offs, you know, the price performance uh, power conversation. Mm-hmm. We're talking all new cores, ARM V9, uh, the, the Cortex-X2, the 710 series uh, big cores, the was it the 510 series little cores? I think the 510. Um, uh, yeah, that's why the, the music tech one. Yeah. And I kind of just wanted to get your thoughts because there were there were a lot of headlines that came out. Here's this huge list of manufacturers that are going to be using this new Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, and mm-hmm. Samsung was not a, was, was not. not on that list. Dis, you know, sort of discussed in this initial batch of smartphones going out. So again, I'd just like to kind of hear some of your thoughts. Obviously, you can't get too deep into the numbers with the benchmarking and stuff that you guys well, have so been we, able yeah, to get yeah, hands no, on um, But I'm sure you have other thoughts that are publicly appropriate to share given the nature <laughs> of uh, non-disclosure agreements in our industry <laughs> in I mean, this day and age. You'd be surprised, but that question did come up in part of the, the Q&As that came, out, came on afterwards. Um, I'm sure it was on a lot of people's minds. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I mean, there was people, I mean, there were some questions even talking about, you know, uh, you know, with, with, with Google and obviously with Tensor and so on. And obviously the whole relationship, people were just literally asking these questions. Um, I was very much surprised that I did not see the name there because I I felt like that name, if, if, if history has proven anything, that name would have been the first name on the list right after or right before Xiaomi. It would have been like the the first two people that are basically clamoring on uh, trying to release an SOC. Mm. Um, I did hear some people were talking basically that they're still working with Samsung. It wasn't like an official statement or anything, but mm-hmm. I did hear chatter that the conversation is still there. I'm still surprised why, like for an example, Sony wasn't there and Samsung wasn't there. And I don't know if it was just a matter of basically that the list was too long or is it just like it, it's a weird... <laughs> well, it's funny oh, how, we it's ran funny out of space. Had... We couldn't put Samsung on there. Hey. Oh, if only this banner know. had been... In the alphabet, Sony does come after Samsung, so they just got pushed <laughs> out. You know, so. Oh, uh, but the, <laughs> but the, it, it was funny because that list of OEMs that might be working with the... Uh, or actually making something with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, yes, what, what David Amell on, um, on the Pocket Now podcast that we did earlier today pointed out was that Okay, so they have the list up there, and clearly it did not have Google. But it was just funny that they still had a Google yeah. person come on stage. So and Google talk was on them. stage. Google, yeah, yeah. So they 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 very much made sure people understood that they're still working with Google. Um, and 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 yeah, that list. There's there's a weird there's a weird like di- there's a weird 
thing happening right now where every company is slowly starting to go, this is the line in the sand, but we are still, it's still murky. And all of the companies are just trying to figure out where those lines are. Mm-hmm. So we still don't know if Samsung is going to be making their own chip. We don't, I, I don't see why not at this point if everyone else is. I mean, there are rumors that Oppo is even building their it, own exactly. SOC, right? I mean, yeah. if it ends up becoming a situation where every manufacturer makes their own SOC, and at, th- at that point, I mean, I mean, so yeah, the, the reality is there are possibilities. Obviously, you know, Exynos could become, you know, the only only SOC that Samsung carries now that they have obviously Tensor with Google and mm-hmm. Qualcomm. But um, it, it just it was funny. Like I saw the list and I wanted to ask somebody straight up, but the, I didn't. Somebody else asked the question. They, they, like I said, they said they're still working with Samsung, but it, it just wasn't part of the. You're gonna get yeah. You're gonna get such a such a bureaucratic answer. At that moment, because if you just put your hand up, like, what happened to Samsung, guys? And they're just like, they're still there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're there. They're there. Just the yeah. They're like, listen, we love our relationship with Samsung, and then it just turns into this whole hunk thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was definitely uh, yeah. Some some things we're a little bit murky. Let's just say that. I they will say though, there. I will be honestly surprised if we find ourselves in a world in this upcoming few months where Samsung doesn't use them at all. Because I think the it'd and not only hard. it'd be hard, especially on the A series, because mm-hmm. they they rely on their chipsets because it's much cheaper. Because their their Exynos doesn't actually, with with their benefits, uh, I think overall the A series benefit from having the low power uh, Qualcomm SOCs. Mm-hmm. So for them to be totally separate, I mean, even Google still uses Qualcomm technically, if you think about it. But there's so many things that Snapdragons bring to the table that I think they can't just leave it on the table. Yeah. Right. Like, like Samsung can't just be like, "Oh, we're going to not have lossless audio. We're going to not have all of this well, other stuff." That's that's kind of the curious thing is is uh, you know obviously in sort of the diehard enthusiast sector is you know well obviously Samsung is going to push Exynos with their AMD relationship, and that's mm-hmm. what's going to blow the doors off twenty twenty two. But 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 again, kind of coming back to what we're seeing in uh, Snapdragon eight Gen one. Um, mm-hmm. We're getting some refinements on the A88. There are some really big claims being made about increasing performance and Lower reducing power, power draw. Yeah, um, exactly. I know when we had our MediaTek conversation, I feel like the, the, the walk away, the thing I keep coming back to is I sort of wish that Android manufacturers and the SOCs that Android phones use would maybe have an off year. You know, this year for Apple wasn't particularly mind-blowing in terms of performance improvements, but at the same time, they refined their A-series processor and figured out that a physically larger battery would be gooder for the iPhone, too. And I kind of wish we would get that here. You know, there, there are still so, so, there's still so much performance overhead on an 865 that we're, not, we're, we're barely touching with so many of these apps. And, and if we could kind of take a year just to really focus on refinement, you gave me the same performance as an 888, but you could cut like 30% off of that power draw. That to me, I think would be really, would be more exciting to a number of enthusiasts out there than trying to say like, well, yeah, it gets 30% more powerful, but then it gets hotter 30% faster, and then it throttles 30% mm-hmm. faster to lower than what you used to have when you had an 865 is, is kind of the the... The, the fear I think a lot of us are seeing in this kind of arms race for trying to make the mostest powerful SOC. It, it's, a, it's a big part of the conversation that I feel like they need to come down to, and they will not come down to, but have that conversation with OEMs when they're putting in their SOCs. I think that's the biggest concern where the 888 wasn't 
the devices I felt like in the beginning of the year for the 888 weren't built for the 888. They were built with the 865 mindset, under not not appreciating that the 888 is a warmer and a more power, I guess, it's a more powerful SOC, but it was also running hotter, and you didn't get the right, you know, heat dissipation, you know, um, and then we also had OnePlus kind of going on with trying to, you know, limit the performance of the actual uh, system, so that you had that different experience by different companies trying to manage what Qualcomm put into the system, and I'm hoping it in, in, with the eight, you know, Gen, with the with the Snapdragon eight that we do get that benefit. It's hard to tell. Uh, you know, there obviously we need to see how the OEMs approach to it. The hardware that we we were looking at and we all played around are all reference data devices. Of so course, they're not real, that's how it always yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not real representation of how this is going to be in the real world. Well, that's a conversation we have all the time with Snapdragon Summits and the new announcements. Is mm-hmm. that um, Qualcomm, to their credit, provide a billion different switches, but what OEM is going to leave all of them on? And what are they going to pick and choose to leave on? Um, And even then, like the whole power, the whole power um, conversation, like I find it so funny that like as the and, you know, maybe this will be a slight pivot or segue into 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 whatever topic comes next. But when it comes to the world of gaming phones that we have experienced over the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. it has proven to us that while these processors are great and provide that premium experience when it comes to gaming and whatnot, it's not just about the processor. You need to build everything around it to support what that processor can do. Hence, cooling. (laughs) Hence, good power like a battery or anything like that. And I got to say, if we keep into the the theme of this this, uh, show, I got to say, best of my week has been that G3X. With the uh, the full gaming platform, full, full game. So that has been the best of my week for after sure. After the benchmark so, session, so, I was waiting for for Miriam. I actually played for about twenty minutes on it. <laughs> they had an extra one in the press room. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so, so per- precisely, and, and again, you know, thank you, Josh, as a host for for managing that segue. I like to call out good segues and, and slam the brakes on the show to point out okay. the segue, even though we were really into a better <laughs> conversation. Um, so just the, the, uh, the, the, the segue hit a rock. Yeah, yeah this, uh, exactly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you went toppling over like a former president. <laughs> um, the, um, the, the, the notion of that to me, because we were just talking about, hey, everyone might be coming out with their own SOC. And I really yeah. feel like we're, we're going to be leaning into a market that is, w- why try to force a general purpose computing platform to do something like handheld gaming if we're already getting much more specific about refining the specific manufacturing process for all of these different devices. And mm-hmm. so that notion of a Qualcomm Razer partnership, um, again, this is early. It's going to be first gen. I, I, I would definitely say that this is, this is like you want to be at the bleeding edge of this kind of idea. But if it can kind of highlight a little bit more attention I wanted on to take Android it out gaming and, out and game it. streaming. That's how much bleeding Same. edge I want it to be. But yeah, sorry. This thing needed but, to but be made yesterday. But but that's just it. You know, like, I, I've been a big advocate for mobile gaming and, and trying to highlight, mm-hmm. like, you know, once you get past the sort of, like, nasty, gross, just, like, you know, money-squeezing games that are all proliferating through the iTunes, Apple App Store and the Google Play App Store, you actually see this remarkable sort of second or third life for a lot of great games that make it to, to iOS and to Android. And so if we could take some of that, like you don't need the same camera capabilities, you don't need, you probably don't need the same networking capabilities, but if we could put like a purpose-built power chip into a larger surface area type of handheld, that to Better me makes a lot of sense for bumping yep. up power 
knowing that you've got the battery capacity to match it, and then you can probably do a better job of getting heat out of that whole apparatus. Yeah, no. yeah, and um, I, I see one of the, uh, the 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 live chats here says the faux stream deck, and I'm like, okay, I get where this, I do get where this sentiment is coming from. I I pre-ordered a Steam, oh, yeah. not stream deck, Steam deck, sorry, Steam deck. Yeah. Steam deck. Um, I I did order one as well. I did pre-order one, and I want to get my hands on stuff like that as well. Like having a portable gaming machine monster is a great thing, but to sort of minimize an Android slash mobile gaming console to just like oh it's trying to be like something else to me is like a little bit too reductive because let's put it this way if you are ever that kind of gamer that actually gravitated to something like the the razor kishi or the backbone for your phone like you are the customer for this thing you are the customer for this kind of gaming console mm-hmm. because you are a mobile gamer and now you have the best possible apparatus for it see i'm like you on like i have that as well except i, I put mine on an 8-bit dough and that is exactly the setup that i would have like if you are that kind of if you are that kind of gamer this is a product that is great for you um i say product it's a developer kit it's not out yet obviously but yes right there I think there's actually a big enough market of people like that who would benefit from this kit being a real product. Oh no, I, absolutely. That, that was the biggest thing that I that I, when so I saw the So many comments on my video were like, "Oh, it's trying to be a PSP." It's like, "Well, well, yeah." Well, where's the PSP Vita? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's it's, a, it, it's it's a format that I felt like um, it's it's for when you just want to play. Like when you were talking about the connectivity, uh, Juan, I, you're, you had it right on there. Uh, it's not trying to be a, a phone. It's not trying to be a phone that plays game. It's literally focusing. The entire performance on this is dedicated to gaming. It is running Android. Surprisingly, it does have a you know a phone UI yeah. element because it's still in a development kit. Um, actually, when you boot it up, because I had to turn mine on, it actually does. Uh, whenever you have a, a rooted device, it looked like it was still uh, basically you need to press power twice before you can actually jump into it since the bootloader is unlocked. So it it has a lot of development features in it. I'm hoping it does make it to the market, but it is the potential of what the three GX uh, the G three X can do. That I'm enjoying and here. I, I would I would wholly expect that what we what you guys have seen, what we've seen from the outside, you know, I, I seriously doubt that's consumer facing. I, I really have to. Yeah, no, no, that. I, I, it will come up in a, in, a, in maybe a different form, a different pr- product at some point. They they wouldn't confirm or deny, but every time <laughs> I ask the question, I get a big smile on uh, on the PR person's face. It's like <laughs> we'll see what happens in 2022. Uh, I, I, but, I'm, but, I'm calling it right now at CES. Razor is going to have something behind closed doors. For I'm sure. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it'll be like uh, so. Yeah, that thing you saw last week. Yeah, it's it's was ready to. Go. Or, or yeah. they might have uh, it actually out like in one of those glass cases that no one can touch because Razer loves to show that kind of stuff off. But but isn't really, it I mean, like eighty nine percent the way there though? Like it's actually really well yeah. done already. It, it has a lot. Yes. So I can I can definitely see the some of the configurations at the bottom need a little bit a uh, little bit of improvement. But I love the fact that a it includes a headphone jack mm-hmm. and an SD card port. So they're focusing on con- uh, on connectivity and and sound as well as expandable storage. So they're not trying to keep this whole remove all features. They're, they're literally throwing everything in. Um, but this and, this is and, to me that that's that's uh, like the most encouraging and also the most frustrating is it's really mm-hmm. a chicken in the egg kind of problem. If you look at a modern mid ranger smartphone, you probably mm-hmm. have better overall capabilities than you would on a Nintendo Switch. Screen quality, oh, refresh yeah. rate, horsepower. 90, 90, and what yeah, we need mm-hmm. is the software to really take advantage of it. And then for developers to do a better job of supporting APIs like Vulkan, where we can mm-hmm. we can realize some, some more substantial performance improvements. 
um, it, it's funny to me, like, to get some interest back into developers doing a better job of supporting Android as a platform, we have to make a thing that is recognizable as another thing. So all those people that are just sort of commenting, oh, they're just trying to be another PSP, or they're just trying to be another Nintendo Switch, like, you know what? If we could get people to stop, like, pretending that Android gaming stopped with Fruit Ninja and realize, like, how many amazing games are actually on mobile, we wouldn't have to do this. But because we're still locked in this, like, Android you know, KitKat era of gaming conversation, now we need to go and make a thing that looks like a different thing that plays games so that then developers will go, hey, you know, I could probably bring my game over to there and make some money on on bringing a a nicer version of that game over there. And then Mm -hmm. people like me will just be able to pull out their phones and the controllers that we've had for years now and years play now. the game mm-hmm. on the phone that it was already good enough to play the game if we had just acknowledged that we already had these gaming supercomputers in our pockets. Yeah, and to the, to the point of the same live chatter who uh, said before it's like the stream uh, Steam Deck, I keep saying stream, you're right that these games need to natively support controllers. Um, but... Sometimes, like you said, chicken and the egg. It's uh, it's not until the market or rather like the business side actually shows that those solutions are available that developers finally go, oh, there we go. Now we can actually support it. We can actually put development towards that. And I think that something like this development kit or whatever product it could become, it's the same thing as when you look at a tablet. Do I really need Mm -hmm. that? No, but it will make my life more fun. And it will make it so that I enjoy that type of experience. Yeah, I'll find things to do with it. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And like, just think of the possibilities. And I know that we're all like, you know, geeky and nerdy in this whole thing. And we are the people who would do this. But I think there is enough people. There is enough people who are rather art. There are enough people who would look at that thing and think Game Pass, who would look at that thing and say Mm -hmm. Remote Play PS5, or even better, look at that thing and say Emulator. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, Why no, the heck not? It's a, and so the fact that it supports 4K 60 output on the Tia 2 TV, like they they had it connected to 8K projectors in that room. That they in the videos that you know you'll see that basically it was like a massive room with basically wall, display for walls. Um, it just showcases all the all the benefits that they could do with it. And whatever the, whatever company decides to go with it, as far as I mean, sure Razer will probably have one. But at some point or another, obviously the the ecosystem needs to have the peripherals and the accessories to make this this connected device that is online because you are able to get millimeter wave on it as well as sub-6 5G. Mm -hmm. Um, A 6,000 milliampere battery for long playtime. I would have loved a little bit bigger, but again, the reference device is 6,000. It could be even bigger. Um, The the biggest thing I would love about it is... If Qualcomm would lead the charge on something like HS power control, I wouldn't be as concerned about the battery charge discharge of -hmm. when it's being plugged in and being used. It, I still it feel like batteries. Yeah, it's very much a closed Steam Deck type of a. Yeah, you need like a. But but know, again, I think this is a wonderful opportunity to to nail this this messaging right now because a bunch of geeks like me and Josh are going to be waiting until quarter two of next year oh, yeah, before yeah. we'll be able Sorry. to throw money at Valve to get our Steam Deck. Oh, that's true. The, yeah, they yeah, pushed. Yeah. They pushed everybody. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's yeah. It's uh, yeah. I remember getting that email and I was like. I was not surprised, to be honest. I was heartbroken. Not surprised, but I, surprised. But I was kind of heartbroken. I, mean, it, I was it, it really hoping because by the time it comes out, it's, it's still. I mean, unless they're going to change something to the hardware, though. I mean, how much how much can you go to the to the right with timeline? 
and, and still be somewhat relevant. I mean, it's my worry. Is, so whenever it does come in, that means everybody that was originally in January is now maybe mid to late 2022. Does that make sense for people to still wait that long for an next gen console? Because by then, somebody else is going to come out. So, well, but you know, I guess it, it's it's kind of interesting because we keep falling into these holding pattern traps. You know, mm-hmm. like look look at look at next gen consoles you know ps you know ps5 and and xbox series series x um there there aren't any crazy bundles or sales this holiday season because Mm -hmm. legitimately people still don't really have them to the quantity that these companies would like to see out there in the marketplace steam deck coming late is a massive bummer but we're already seeing a trend in so many of these like little experiments. You know, companies that want to play with handheld gaming or portable gaming or PC gaming or, or game streaming, and having mm-hmm. those solutions. So this market is about to crack wide open, and without the same concentration of consoles from Sony and Microsoft that normally would have been sold over this time period, the uh, Nintendo Switch is getting a little long in the tooth. I think the OLED. You know, uh, resells are, are probably kind of peaking for the people that are interested in picking up the Switch right now. Like, well, yeah, this is the opportunity yeah. to bring PC yeah. PC gaming and Android gaming to the forefront with something that's kind of purpose built for that solution. And you can't. And if and if mobile gaming is like the large, it's the fastest growing category out there, and you want to make it a seasonal thing that you can actually take advantage of, you're not going to do it by telling people you need to buy another phone. Yeah. You're going to do it by saying you need to buy another – you need to buy a dedicated yeah. gaming device. Yeah, no, and compartmentalizing well, it and making it functional. They're also – I mean, if you remember at the announcement, they, they announced a partnership with ESL. I mean, they're trying to go into basically yeah. esports. Competitive, competitive uh, you know, uh, mobile gaming is actually pretty big. I remember attending one of their events in, uh, in Paris a couple of years uh, – three years ago for Honor because um, Honor was trying to sponsor ESL as well. So, it, I mean, it, it's a big – it's crazy how many game, how much the pandemic has, has shown us how much we depend on our devices, but the mm-hmm. fact that our devices can do so much that we may not even have thought that this is possible. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I appreciate this is because I want to be able to dedicate my time on a, on a device to play the games that I want, any game that it would run on Android. And then again, like Josh was saying, emulation is also a big part. Whenever you get a gaming phone, literally one of the things you could definitely do for, for benchmarking is how, does, how well does it run emulators? You know, just mm-hmm. to run emulators, uh, it's just, you know, just one of the biggest things. So I, I really want to see this well, come out. I, I, they didn't I, let so I just hope anything. it kind of curbs some of those nerd core conversations where you, you pick up any phone and everyone's, you, you always run into like, oh, but it doesn't do that as good or as it should. And for gaming phones, it's almost yeah. always going to be like, it doesn't have the bestest, bestest cameras. And you're like, yeah, but it's a phone for game. Yeah, it's like you. So I guess now that would that that means instead of having a phone that's really good at gaming and just has very good cameras instead of the bestest cameras, now you can go and buy your bestest camera phone and buy a whole other portable computing device (laughs) so that you can also play your games and have two things. Instead of one that probably would have gotten that job done better. But what do I know? I just get to play with all of these things and share my thoughts on them. Because so. that's how you do it. I think, well, yeah, so consumerism I, at its best, right? So yeah. you have... Exactly. You have why, your, yeah. Why, why have one computer when more computer better? 
Ready? <laughs> so but there you go. The equation, um, right? But one plus one, one plus one computer equals more better. <laughs> but speaking of computers, as my terrible segue, um, I wanna <laughs> I wanna shift this over and transfer because I think the the other of uh, the, there was like a trio of big announcements. It is. And the yep. other major announcement was Qualcomm kind of rededicating some conversation to the PC the space, uh, yep, talking about Windows on ARM. And that this is, this is an interesting position for them to be in because we know they've already been public about mm-hmm. some of their efforts for chipsets into 2023 being sort of the, the, the redesigns and the refinements that they would like to showcase against what Apple is doing with their M-series uh, processors. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they haven't. They don't have something to show for improving performance, improving power, um, with with this new generation of more laptop style SOC. And so I'm sure you guys got to hear a little bit about that um, during this uh, during this event too. I don't really follow the stuff quite as much. Um, I know that well. You know, in the lexicon of all of these processors and products that we have in the computing space, probably I know the least about the HCX. Mm-hmm. I did. I do remember getting a shot at the um, Gen One with the Surface Pro X, and it was a oh, good time. Oh, that's right, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, a yeah. good mm-hmm. time. My only problem with it, though, and I think it's a very common discussion when it comes to this chip or any ARM chip, really, is just that. There's not enough support from applications to make these actually that viable. Like well, the best way for yeah. me to put it is the HCX Gen 3 in this case is more or less like a really beefed up Chromebook. And it's it, it'll do a lot of really good stuff, but um, I am not the market for that because it won't run the things I need to run. And even they on stage were comparing the HCX Gen 3, and I think it was a good move personally just to manage expectations. They were comparing it to an i5, right? Mm-hmm. So – that was like, oh, okay, I get now I get where this is supposed to be. I get where this is supposed to be positioned in the greater in the greater scheme. It, it's the, the my my biggest concern, my biggest like so this is this is the reason why Apple's M series is working so well. Is it but by the way, you will not believe how many people have it, it, it this <laughs> could have been the Qualcomm it's gotta event. be everybody. not sponsored by Apple. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I felt weird with a with a PC. Um, no, no. The the approach that Apple has right now is that you pick up an M series uh, laptop, be it an Air, be it whichever version that they're selling, it feels like it's a laptop. It runs applications like a laptop. It optim it has all the ecosystem and everything, and you don't have to run about worry about emulators just to get things to run the way they're supposed to on on your system. And I feel like HCX or always connected Windows 11 or Windows 10 PCs right now are struggling in that aspect because the consumer that wants to pick up a computer that is ARM-based as opposed to a, a, you know, x86 is, is expecting the x86 experience on that more power-efficient, better mm-hmm. battery life, always on connected, you know, mm-hmm. insert all benefits of ATX. And we're not there yet. This is the concern. Even Windows 11 still doesn't give us that same capabilities. We're still having to deal. And they talked about it. They had Windows, um, sorry, the CEO... Um, uh, yeah, uh, we, they had they literally had a live uh, session between him and uh, Cristiano on on stage, but I feel like that's the bottom. I don't think it's it's Qualcomm. I feel like the conversation that Qualcomm is trying to do is they're showing their commitment to the to the ecosystem and that they want to keep building hardware yeah. and help de- develop better hardware for when Windows is able to take advantage of the existing mm-hmm. ecosystem and we're able to basically start having an ARM PC being less expensive, more power, you know, not as powerful, but you know, connected. And you have the benefits of the mobile arm our ecosystem, and still have the same experience as if you were running on an uh, on an Intel or an AMD chipset. And until that happens, we're still going to be working with more 
some people yeah, are going to buy it. I and don't, it's not going to. I don't be know what biggest. pushes that over the edge because this is the dance that Microsoft has been doing since Windows RT. Um, yeah. Oh my God. The, yeah. We, we've yeah. been trying to talk about other ways that we can incorporate, you know, Microsoft style computing into more mm-hmm. portable and power efficient um, styles of computer and. Because of the overwhelming momentum of the traditional x86 market and where where Microsoft has really carved out their overwhelmingly dominant market position mm-hmm. on that side, it seems very difficult to get any kind of developer interest in trying to port or, or you know natively support ARM hardware on the Windows side of the equation. And it, I'm hoping that Windows 11 is actually going to start pushing some of that conversation, yeah. some of that narrative, especially for things like, you know, Windows 11 finally brings us, like, different processor core arrangement support so you can have big <laughs> power cores and little power efficiency cores. Like, Intel's, like, oh, we're so impressed that now we've got little cores on an Intel processor. That's amazing. And, you know, like, here we are. We've had supercomputers in our pockets that have been doing that for a while. But until we see that, like... You know, Adobe and DaVinci Resolve and yep, yep, like these 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 media companies are going to give Microsoft the same kind of attention and the same kind of runway that they give Apple. I fe- I fear we're going to be in for a much longer holding pattern. Like you were saying, TK, it's really not the hardware; it's getting no, Microsoft no. to instill enough confidence in developers that this yep. is the time to really get after that sort of efficiency. That, that to me, is what's concerning. You know, again, we'll give yeah. Apple as much runway as they need. You need two years to finally give us better support for external monitors on a MacBook? Well, yes, Apple, you'll do it right after two years. We're, we're sure your products will work great. But, you know, in the first week of release on a Windows on ARM device, oh, it doesn't run my, you know, obscure DOS 3.0 program. This is garbage. Microsoft this fails doesn't run again. Oregon Trail? Are you kidding me? It does, yeah, it, it, <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't run my worst perfect off my floppy disk. It just but doesn't they, have to do it. Are they are they missing the forest for the trees here? Because like, I wonder if I get it. They really want to make HCX Gen One and beyond and ARM processors a thing. I get mm-hmm. it. Like that's mm-hmm. that's totally going to be that's a great business move and all that stuff. But are they missing the forest for the trees here if they're not just making it very specific to let's say enterprise solutions? Because clearly it supports all of that. Oh, so I, why keep it, pushing this to consumers when clearly there's no support for consumer-grade products? If it's well, going to be – because what has Microsoft been doing for all of its existence? Enterprise solutions. And this seems yeah. – like these ARM processors seem to be perfect for that because all those apps True. work. <laughs> right? Uh, but, but to your point, Josh, I, I, think, I think us in the techie space, we've got this huge blind spot where I, I don't know why. But I think tech reviewers have been really reluctant to acknowledge – the enormous elephant in the room for consumer-grade computing and education that Chromebooks are gobbling up like crazy. And mm-hmm. you know Microsoft wants a part of that. But you can go and get a MediaTek-powered Chromebook for, like, 250 bucks, yep. right? We were so given until one. We were given one. <laughs> My son is so, actually on, it, on, this, on this trip doing his homework, but yeah. So I feel that contributes, but again, we, we, we don't tend to acknowledge that you know like apple's laptop sales have been gangbusters since the m1 but right Mm -hmm. up before that m1 launch chromebooks were grossly outselling all of the gains that apple had made in the laptop Mm -hmm. space so again you know like we know microsoft is 
is looking at that, we know Microsoft has to be paying attention to that. And it's just curious to me that we keep seeing these like stop-start efforts like it's Windows 8. Okay, wait, no, no. What we really mean is it's Windows 10. No, you know what? Windows 11. That's going to be the one. And I understand why that kind of puts developers off. Like, you know, I'm just going to wait until this is all sorted. And when consumers have bought a bunch of stuff, then we'll go out and support it. But that never works. Yeah. That's not the it way this all yeah, happens. So, so that power price performance, again, I, I still feel like if, if you've got a mid-ranger phone that was made within the last two years, you probably have more computer than you need in your pocket. That's the power that our average consumers really need to make it through their day on a desktop, on a laptop, or on a smartphone. And, oh, yeah, and totally. so the idea that we could already be, like, like for my aunt, she doesn't need you know, a Core i7. She doesn't. She, she could legitimately, if she had like the same kind of work style interface and she was on you know, a Snapdragon 765, that's her speed. And to think that she could probably be on like a, a $300 or $400 laptop if we could just get the software there, it would be really exciting to me. That to me would be the right fit for her needs, not for mine, but for hers. And I think a lot of consumers are kind of poking around and looking at this and then you go and see, you know, a MacBook Air on sale for like 800 bucks that starts to make a lot of sense and you know the battery uh, the battery life is there, the performance is there. That's really interesting. So I, I, development I, support is there. Oh, yeah, no, I mean it's and, the, and developers are always willing to extend that extra little bit of consideration for those Apple computers that they would never give to a Windows machine. Um, mm-hmm. But but that's kind of like where I, I I just find all of this really interesting. I'm really happy that Qualcomm has decided to deliver a refinement. They're not completely out of the conversation. We know yeah. this isn't their show pony. Their show pony is coming next year. But if you just disappear from the scene, it makes this whole conversation even harder. Like if we had to do they're, another they're year on the, on the last Absolutely. generation yeah. um, laptop processor, that would be a non-starter. It'd be dead. It'd just be totally dead. Oh, I totally agree. I just wonder if, you know, maybe the road to what will eventually come could be more optimized. Because if Oh, we it have, needs to be, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because like <laughs> maybe that maybe that should be the marketing that we are seeing on stage, which is the HCX yeah. is better for your better than your Chromebook for what you do in education or you do in business or you do in enterprise. And to that yeah. point, you know, not to go too far back, but if millimeter wave is meant to be a full consumer ready thing that also powers whole cities, mm-hmm. maybe we don't want to go straight to make sure a millimeter wave is for all consumers. Maybe we go from the stadium to the restaurant around the street. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we go from the yeah. stadium to the shopping mall across the, the across town. Shopping would be amazing. Yeah, exactly. Those, so those are the connected we need places. To, there's, there are all these steps between the full-on mm-hmm. enterprise thing to the consumer thing that I feel like they never think about. No. Or maybe they are, but we never get to hear about it. And I think those stories are the things that we could actually sell as creators, as influencers. Yeah. And we could actually tell about those things, and those make sense. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's just up until then, it's just we're just... We're just hoping, like you said, holding patterns. It's holding patterns. Yeah. It, it, this is definitely a, a precursor conversation for next year's, uh, uh, you know, announcements, and of course, leading into 2023. So we'll have to see. Basically, uh, it, it actually, will, it'll be interesting to see if how many companies do showcase some, you know, HCX uh, SOCs uh, on at CES. Mm. You know, hopefully, we'll ha- we'll start seeing some, you know, companies showing. I think I saw a uh, what's it called, an IBM ThinkPad, an X1 series. Uh, somebody was showing yeah. pictures. I forget. So they are obviously HPs involved in the conversation, 
um, not to kind of circle back on gaming, but in the gaming room while we were playing, um, you know, with the the 3GX, you know, developer development kit, uh, they did have actually some, uh, you know, um, ATX PCs running uh, games as well, and they were connected. Asphalt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I feel like companies love asphalt. It's like it's like the default to go to game of like as if all and of you're us like, sitting at I home. I can play like, asphalt on a Snapdragon six sixty on a four year old Huawei. Dude, I can play asphalt with my eyes closed and I would still win. But what what I meant to say is the I don't understand like the more demanding like we, we did get a chance to play with Final Fantasy VII um, on it that was Great actually move. also yeah that was a very nice game Great for them to put uh, it there, yeah. the game the graphics everything in there was really nice but mm-hmm. what what I'm what my hope is what what we saw this year at least is we see that Qualcomm is is focusing on connectivity and gaming and compute power the improvements on the eight uh, on the Gen eight obviously are. There, there is improvements in performance. Obviously, you know we'll have to see how the power management is done, or at least the the uh, the the, gener- the heat generated from the new power requirements. Although maybe lower, again, we'll have to see how much by comparison. The the one thing that I, I appreciated from the conversation when I started looking at it is they did focus a little bit more on photography and improving the ISP configuration that we have in here. They, they changed. We went up to mm-hmm. an 18-bit ISP. But it's also concurrent stream recording on the ISP. It's not just the ability of connecting. It's one of the demos that they had was a triple camera configuration where you're able to record from the ultrawide, the standard focal, and the telephoto at the same time in three separate files straight onto the memory directly of your system. Now, mind you, I don't think it's a very functional way of using your cameras because you're not really focusing or framing for anything. And you get about 15 seconds before all of that hardware overheats. So it, it's, it's See, that's, this is this is a thing that I keep thinking about. It's like normally every year. So I know the Leica, by the way. He went I straight to like one or Captain like Picard facepalm. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. God. But, but here's here's my problem with this is that every year we have every year by now we have these these Snapdragon announcements that include a lot of great camera enhancements and all of that always, stuff. Always. But I think it's been at least three years by now that I have looked at everything Qualcomm has said on that stage and I went, I never use that. And it's like, I, I know that this is coming from a jaded place, but it's just that for mm-hmm. what I actually do, for what the practical person actually uses on the daily, mm-hmm. no one has used 8K on a phone since Samsung tried to put it, it out it, on the it, S10. It, it eats up memory. Or S10, in, S20, S20. Uh, S20. Yeah, on the S20. I don't, yeah, I don't think it was on the 10, yeah. It, it's, 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 a, it's a feature. But again, it's, it's like saying millimeter wave. It's like saying 8K. They're, they're obviously shooting for the bestest of everything that they can do. And those are the things they're trying to showcase. But the reality is that anybody shooting, even if you do shoot in 8K, let's say you are in that moment and you do want to get that beautiful sunset and you want to get it in 8K HDR. You're not going to share it because it's not going to be true to what you shot. By the time it gets compressed to whatever ecosystem that you're sharing it, how with, long will Bluetooth take to? Oh, absolutely, that. yeah. And, right. and, and 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 or even if you're trying to basically even like send that file to a family member, it's like, again, um, nope. we're not there. But there's still. I think this is the biggest thing. You know, companies love to showcase these things. Um, yeah. I wanted to see more of the capabilities, you know, the refinements, the improvements in image processing, some of those other things that we wanted to see. Like they brought motion blur in there. They brought bokeh, a video bokeh. Reality is we've had other companies showcase this technology before. Video bokeh was not, I mean, but it's right. It's going to bring that technology to other companies that didn't have it. I feel like to a certain point, it's nice. Is it going to? It gives give us, us a baseline. It yeah. is a baseline, absolutely. Sure. I think that's the biggest thing. 
Yeah, but it is going to end up becoming a thing where it's at the OEM level to what they customize. Because this is literally, we're, we're, we're measuring now the, the reference device that we had. It's literally everything, including the kitchen sink, but we rarely ever get a phone that includes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then, you know, this also, the, t- the software processing from each company, you know, like a, an Oppo or a Sony or a OnePlus, they're not going to have the same processing as a Samsung or, let's say, even as a Pixel. So you're going to have to yeah. really... Well, which which I I do have to say, like I I give Qualcomm a lot of credit because while certain things about the Snapdragon, in this case eight Gen one, I feel we're hitting a plateau when it comes to certain things that they are able to offer. Which is not to say they aren't pushing the envelope. It's just these are not things that I feel like I'm actually going to practically use on the daily. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, at least they had the wherewithal. At least they had the wherewithal to have another announcement that I need that in my life right now. And yeah, that's of the, course the the, 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 the developer kit, the G three X for sure. X was definitely thank God they had that. In and mind. they had a demo. That thank God that they had a demo <laughs> for us to be able to try. Um, I, I, I did mention it last time when we were saying when we were over at the uh, Media Tech Tech Summit. You know, I told them I said realistically, you have to capture the excitement of where everybody's excited for you on the brand new announcement and try to get something in our hands to be able to showcase. Because at the end of the day, that's the best way for us to relate that excitement and showcase how these things could be. And even if it's not a final product or whatever, um, and I feel like you know, with with Qualcomm, we definitely saw that. That was a, definitely a better. Delivery. I got the biggest incredulous look from a couple of our friends here at Qualcomm when I was when they were asking for like honest, candid feedback, and I thought, here's an idea. What if you could you could please both camps here because there is a camp like us. Well, okay, more me, I would say, okay. um, where I'm not trying to go. <laughs> I'm not trying to get all the numbers. I'm not trying to get the 3.5 gigabits or anything like that. I'm not trying sure. to do all of the benchmarking. I'm not that, quite that user. Like I understand it, but I'm not quite that user. And then there's a there's a whole other group where they're like, give me the numbers. Yeah, I need more. I need you need to share more. You need to tell me more about this. I need to know what the gigaflops are. All these things. And they um, those are two different groups. And I said. What if you had enough devices for all of us to use throughout the entire summit? summit. Yep. So that those ready. people could do all of their testing. We could do our lifestyle stuff. What if we could do that? And I got the biggest eye roll, not because it wasn't a good idea, but because they said we literally cannot make that many devices. Like, so there's no way. <laughs> here's a little bit of a BTS. Did you know, or I don't know if you were the one who even told me this, but um, every test device that we were holding in our hand cost 12K. It's so mm-hmm. custom. It's so wow. small quantity production. I, I totally believe it, though. That that yeah, for <laughs> they would have to have an intense the, eye roll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think what would probably happen is that the tech summit would be basically hosted at a Motel Six, <laughs> and everybody would have a phone because <laughs> uh, the budget would be shifted to the production. You know, it'll but be. But you one know of those, what? Yeah. I take that. You know, like <laughs> I I, I if, wanted to spend more time like, with it. Yeah. <laughs> so the way they had them set up too is every they didn't have one device that ran everything. So you could see the the, the different things yeah, that they they're doing. They had one phone that ran the video bokeh, one phone that ran the uh, the, um, the, the triple camera, and or oh, the panorama. Yeah. So another one for panorama, and then another one for 8K recording. And they were all segmented, so you never really had. The hardware is really, really referenced. I mean, it's not really intended to be... Oh, no, used. you're telling me that Qualcomm, even Qualcomm can't turn on all of their own switches? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is very much a very... like a, yeah. it's, a, it's an experience type of a phone. Um, but I will say, though, that the hardware would definitely look much, much better than the gen- the reference devices that we saw a couple of years ago where everything looked like it was missing panels from the back or something mm. like that. So regardless, I think that the... What what we saw this uh, you know in this tech summit is a, a very big promise from Qualcomm to provide 
a lot of capabilities and hopefully they deliver with improvements in, in power requirements as well as uh, heat dissipation or heat generation, at least from the mobile tech. I think that's been, you're, and you and I, Kwan, we've talked about it many, many times as well as Josh, you know, devices that run on the 888 ran hot. We know that, especially mm-hmm. if you try to play games for an extended amount of time. And I feel like that's going to be the tackling uh, uh, approach that we're going to need to see in 2022. 2020 or 2021, they were surprised with how much power and how much heat these devices are, are generating. I'm hoping that they've done course corrections and they're going to put in better better heat, you know, thermal management or some type of system that allows them to manage the power that the new SOC is going to so bring. It, it was, the, I mean, it's I, the next I want to start wrapping this up so that you guys can go have, like, the rest of your oh, evening and yeah, stuff wow, here. Sorry. Um, See, and we've, we, we obviously, we always go long. Sorry, Josh. Um, no, no, but, don't, don't apologize to me. I'm happy to be here. Don't worry. But, I, I but it was also... Ten minutes at the beginning, by the way. It was... <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it was the um, and that's how it, it was it. that one slide from the uh, actually I think it was an ARM slide it wasn't a MediaTek slide but they're talking about the Cortex X two oh, right. and you yeah. see the Cortex X one versus the Cortex X two and look at how much more powerful the Cortex X two can get and then you look yeah, at the little chart and you're like yeah it got like sixteen percent more powerful I mean it got either sixteen percent better performance but it like 20% additional power draw. So why would you do that in a phone? You'd never be able to... We can't sustain the current level of performance that we've got here that would tank you on an 888. Why would you want to push it that further? But then you follow the, the chart back, and if you match the performance of the 888, it comes in at like 15% less power draw. And you're like, you see that would be better because then we'd actually be sustaining that performance better. As we got into the end of 2021, all of these phones that have performed better, like the Vivo, the Vivo has been rocking my socks, but the Vivo is not one of the top peak wind sprint performers of all the A88s. They're definitely managing what that you know what what that chip is doing inside that phone and they're definitely reining in some of that peak performance so that you don't cook the inside of that device in in almost the polar opposite way of of how Xiaomi kicked off the A88 oh, era where those phones had like no limits you you no, you no, could they... run that phone as hot as you wanted to and your games would <laughs> crash and you know, like your your UI would stutter, but you got every ounce of power out of the A88 that you could get. And so that, to me, again, it's just it becomes that kind of concern where, like you would say, Josh, like there, there's a certain benchmarking idea where it's cool to have big number, but we've already made these SOCs really way too good at running benchmarks, and I don't feel that on, enough of those improvements have actually made it to even heavy lifting. Like when I'm talking... I cut my family Thanksgiving video on a phone, 4K anamorphic, doing speed ramping from 4K 60 frames per second video. I love my family. I put in the time because this was a special Thanksgiving to really try and make a cinematic turkey day video happen. Um, but, you know, like the phones I did that on, 
weren't the peakest performers because those A88s run too hot for me to reliably edit video sometimes. So it, it, like it's, it's kind of a mess right now. Of editing and then it started to dip. Ow, 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 ow. Fritz, Fritz, right now. I, no, um, I, I actually, I was very proud of myself this time that at, at this event I produced so much of my content on my phone. I did not necessarily have to go back to my PC as much. I mean, I did push out a video, a couple of videos, but yeah, most of it was done uh, producing content for different st- styles. I've even posted things on YouTube and so on, so I'm trying to keep it very light, very mobile, but editing content on the phone is really the, the next, we need to be able to rely on our devices to perform as good um, as, as they need to because they're really, they're little bit, you know, when you say pocket PCs, they're really, they are pocket PCs. They can do so much more than what we use them for. Mm-hmm. So um, that that was the biggest thing for me. I mean, this is why the, the, the G3X is very exciting for me because it focuses on an aspect of my experience on the smartphone that I feel like if I try doing this on my main phone in my pocket all the time, it's just going to kill the battery and I'm not going to be able to use my phone all the time. I yeah. prefer that be in the ecosystem. So, it, like I said, 2022 is going to be an interesting year with SOCs specifically. More players are jumping into the game. We have MediaTek stepping up and trying to literally take, in, take on the biggest player in the, uh, in the room. Um, you know, obviously, we'll, at that point, by the end of the year, we'll see Tensor. Hopefully, in the second generation, we need to see what what Samsung's going to be playing as well. If Oppo decides to start making their own SoC and more companies start doing so, yeah, it's going to be so crazy f- for for talking about all this stuff because it's like absolutely increasingly get into yeah. It, no, I mean to your point, increasingly it's like. Oh yeah, but one has a bigger Geekbench score is going to be yes, so exactly. flipping it's, it's, irrelevant. Every, everybody is going to be like, yeah, because we. I actually said that to the guys over <laughs> when I was doing benchmark. I can say this part, because um, you know, he was like, they were asking me which, which 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 benchmark do you prefer and all of that. I said, I told them, I said, look, benchmarks are great for reference. You like life. <laughs> no, no. I responded back to them and I said, "Look, realistically, benchmarks are not everything. You know, they're not. They're not the life. Nobody. I, I told them I've never they're known barely a place to start now. the conversation anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said they never spend all day. Like all I do is benchmarks, man. I don't use my phone. I'm just okay. benchmarking it all day. Long. We're going to be back at this conversation again in about eight months when they have the Snapdragan 8 Gen One Plus. It's exactly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, I'm actually still waiting to find out how they're going to name the offsets. You know, like That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The seven series, the six God. series, and all that other stuff. So again. Um, this is this but, yeah. is the right time for Qualcomm to not do that. Give us an off year where you focus on your main product lines, getting the branding out to the consumers, getting all of your yeah. partners on the same page, and letting it roll. So um, I'm, I'm going to say let's go ahead and cap it there. Um, we, we can, we can start wrapping one, yeah, this, this show up. But, but I'm <laughs> really glad you, you guys were able to, to catch all of this. And, and Josh, definitely, man, it's always great to have you. Um, yeah. Jump in and oh, I just realized. Hold on, hold on, we're gonna do this real quick. Hold on. Oh, we're doing it live. This yeah, is very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, 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 the other way around. We're sitting in the wrong Aww. spot. Look, oh my god! Like the big geek. It has been. Um, it, it, it it is. It's a lot of it, fun work. A lot of work, a lot of actually, I, I haven't slept right in the last few so days. It's, it's, well, the, the time I didn't think the time difference was going to hit me that much, but like you know, we were trying to figure out the time of when we were going to do the podcast tonight. 
like I didn't realize like I had yeah it was much later for you because the whole difference and I'm like I'm waking up at three o'clock in the morning thinking it's my time and it's just it's oh yeah and, and, that, and on that note we appreciate you for being up that yeah late over thank there, you man on, I, I really appreciate you back on the west uh, coast yeah working with because uh, yeah had we done it tomorrow I wouldn't have been able to get Josh on because he he actually jets out early I, I leave at like seven thirty a.m. in, in less than twelve hours he's, he'll be on a flight. <laughs> Um, but I do want to say thank you every, to everybody obviously hanging out with us. Um, Aditya, Ranesh, everybody help, hanging out with us as well. Greg, it's exciting. We're having a lot of fun, but the conversation isn't over. So obviously we'll have more things to cover, more things to showcase. And hopefully next week we'll have a different conversation when we're able to talk a little bit more, uh, maybe uh, performance information mm, uh, after indeed. we're able to basically you know, kind of digest some of, the inf- some of the stuff that we went through today. Yeah. Um, so I, I love how you, you kind of made that sound like a threat, like... You know, I know we had this. We know we had fun tonight, but the conversation isn't over. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna come back to this. Well, we it, joked. We joked more to about say. It, geek, geek bench is coming back. Geek bench is coming back, man. <laughs> it's, it's back with a vengeance. You're gonna be living geek bench all day. Um, Refuse. Jokingly, I, would, would that be fun to do? Like a phone, like you charge up your phone to 100, percent and you run geek bench as many times as possible, and see how many times can you run it before you kill the battery? Because you can just see basically you're running at a peak performance the whole time. So it'll be you know, just like how average consumers use their phones. That's what exactly. we're real worried about: are the average consumers who buy fifteen hundred dollar phones. And only care about Geekbench scores and using their cameras in full auto in 1080p video. No, I know. <sighs> that consumer totally exists. That, no, no, always. <laughs> and on that note. On that note. <laughs> uh, thank you, Aditya, Juan, Chat, everybody. Uh, and I hope you guys had a, had a great week. Um, I'll try to be with you back again on Saturday. And, of course, Juan Carlos will be back with us on Monday with the SGTQA. Also, make sure to check out uh, Josh's podcast with the Pocket Not Pockets mm-hmm. because you guys did that early, and I think it goes up tomorrow morning. Or? Yeah, likely tomorrow while I'm waiting for my next plane in San Francisco. <laughs> so, yeah, as, as he's <laughs> ho- you know, plane hopping, the podcast, his podcast will be also kind of going up, and I'll make sure to ap- uh, update the show notes um, with the you know links to be able to find out where you know where Josh hangs out and where does you know actually if you want to plug it where where can people find you Josh? Sorry. Uh, honestly, just on the YouTube channel youtubecom slash Vergara. perfectly fine to do that. Um, and yeah, yeah, you can find everything else via that. So I'm, I'm definitely just I did put out a video about my five takeaways from Snapdragon Summit. So there uh-huh. are some thoughts about that. But but you know, spoiler alert, but also not really because we talked about it here in the last four three minutes. It's just all G3X as it should be. So <laughs> there you go. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> It was a surprise. It was a surprise, and it's just a very fun piece of hardware. And like I said, refreshing to see new tech and pushing things. Like it's, like you said, Juan, it's going to help mobile devices and gaming on mobile. Uh, but it, the fact that it's new, it's something that we need to hopefully see developers and you know and and publishers actually jump behind. So yeah. we'll have to see. Remember to change the name tag before your next podcast, <laughs> <laughs> or don't. It'll be Saturday, it'll be Saturday morning with uh, with uh, with TK Love JV, uh, and everybody will be like, and watch Isa jump on the chat. It's like, okay, TK, you know he's taken, right? You know it's not going to happen. So, but uh, thank you, everybody. You guys have a good night. Stay safe and be safe, and we'll see you next week for another episode for the best of our week. Uh, We'll be back at home base for both Juan and I, and so we'll be able to have a little bit more normal conversations. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Bam. And...